Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Today, we're going to talk about what I often call one of the most gaslit diagnoses in women's health. We're going to talk about endometriosis. And to do that, I have a very special guest, Jessica Murnane, I hope I'm saying your name correctly, is an author, speaker, and creative consultant. She's written two books, The Cookbook, One Part Plant, A Simple Guide to Eating Real One Meal at a Time and Knowing Your Endo, An Empowering Guide to Health and Hope for Those with Endometriosis. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you for having me. And thank you for recognizing how hard it is to get diagnosed. Yeah, I mean, it's in our family. Um, I didn't have that particular story, but my mother and my sister did. So it's in our family and just watching their struggle and obviously all the patients that come through the practice and seeing it get missed so often, often, like I know what a tough road this is. And, you know, speaking of that, tell us your story. What was your story with endometriosis? What inspired you to jump into this topic and write this book and do all this other good stuff that you've been doing? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that When I wrote my first cookbook, when I wrote my cookbook, One Part Plant, the book was truly about how I changed my diet and my lifestyle tools to finally manage my endometriosis. And I only included a little, little tiny, small part about endo in the book, but the amount of people that came and said, that page was the first time I ever felt seen, or that page got me diagnosed at 40 years old. Wow. I don't need to write another cookbook. I need to gather all the research and resources and write this endo book for people that are really struggling. Right. I agree. I think, I think we just don't talk about it enough. Now what, for anyone out there who's listening and does not know what we're talking about, what is endometriosis? How would you describe it? How would you explain it? So endometriosis is when the the type of tissue, so it's not the exact tissue, but tissue that is similar to the tissue that lines your uterus grows onto the outside. So it can grow onto all parts of your body and organs. Um, And a lot of times, you know, people that I interviewed for the book, at one point, one woman, it had fused her organs together. So her doctor described it as gorilla glue. Mm -hmm. And I think even more important than knowing the definition of endo is knowing the symptoms. Because I think so many symptoms are not even connected to our periods. And I think we hear endo and we think painful periods. But 90% of people with endo have said to have GI issues. There's so much fatigue. There's urinary issues. There's painful sex. And so I think what happens, and I'm sure when you see patients, you know, if someone has GI issues, they're not going to their OBGYN. They're going to a GI specialist. So a lot of times they're just run around to the point where they're not even getting an endo diagnosis. And I think that's such a, such a great point because um, people do think endo and think, oh, I can't get pregnant or there's something going on with their periods. But more and more, I think it manifests as GI stuff. It manifests as back pain. You right. know, it can even manifest as like reflux and abdominal issues because it's pushing down on so many organs in the gut. Did you have endometriosis? Is that a part of your journey and a part of your story? Oh my gosh. I mean, I have stage four and oh, wow. okay. I was uh, headed for a hysterectomy and- 
multiple surgeries. And, and, and I like to say this because I do think that medicine works well with lifestyle tools. So lifestyle tools are obviously not a cure, but for me, it enabled me to get out of bed again. It enabled me to live my life. And, you know, so much of this book is not necessarily like, this is not a cure. This is not saying it will take all your pain away, but I just want to have help people have more good days than bad. I mean, that's a huge win when you have endo. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, let's talk about the diagnosis part of it. So what were, what are, you know, you mentioned some of the common symptoms, but the diagnosis part is tough. What I've understood from surgeons and from everybody else is a laparoscopic surgery. So what does one do when they're having all these vague symptoms, you know, what is the best way to get, you know, endometriosis diagnosed? You know, you have a statistics and a statistic in here, if one in 10 women have endometriosis, why is it taking over 10 years to make that diagnosis? So curious uh, as to your thoughts there, and also kind of related to that question, how early or how young can we see endometriosis? Well, I mean, I think a lot of people I interviewed for my book and my own personal experience, I mean, I noticed symptoms the first year of my period. Mm. I mean, my periods were horrific right off the bat, but my mom had undiagnosed endo and she was my period role model. So I thought it was normal to come home from school. I thought it was normal to bleed through your pants. So I think that, I think that that can be an issue with diagnosis too, is that we have moms and grandmothers and aunts that haven't, and we're like, oh, well, that's normal. Right. So, and then I also think a lot of times women's pain is not believed. And um, that's another issue. And I think what we talked about earlier about having all of these other issues and, you know, a lot of people with endo don't even have painful periods. So they'll go to their doctor time and time again, and they're like, well, you don't have endo because you don't have painful periods. And it isn't until they go through fertility treatments that they're diagnosed. Yeah. So I think it's a host of a lot of issues. And I think that's why symptom awareness is so crucial to me, because if I would have known the symptoms in high school or college, I would have had a very different experience. Absolutely. So for anybody out there listening, regardless of the age and some of the, you know, some people listening are moms of, of young teenage girls, you know, and I want, we all need to have our eye on this because it just prevents so much heartache as, as our children get older. You know, what are the top three or four symptoms you think get missed when it comes to endometriosis? You mentioned the gut, like what would you yeah. put on that list just for everyone to have them? I mean, I, I think definitely fatigue. I think there's so many people with endo who I had one woman tell me that until she went to my website, she didn't even know that fatigue was a symptom. She had been diagnosed 20 years earlier and she thought she was lazy. Mm. So I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking that we don't know that these are the symptoms. I mean, leg pain, hip pain, joint pain. A lot of people have other autoimmune conditions. Um, we talked about the urinary symptoms, painful sex. I mean, I know I went to my doctor at 21 and told her I had painful sex. And she told me I had to relax more in bed. Ugh. So it took me a really long time to get diagnosed because every symptom I came with, there was, well, that's not real or it's your yeah. fault. Yeah. So, wow. Well, you know, I think for everyone, it's really important to be aware of the symptoms. It's important to understand this word endometriosis, but you healed yourself and you talk about food as a mechanism of healing. What did you do? to help your endometriosis and what does food have to do with healing? Yeah. And I, I like to not use the word heal only because I wish I healed myself, but I think that I manage. And I think that unfortunately there aren't a lot of studies to show the connection between endo and diet, but we have 
so many studies, and I'm sure you've seen them, to connect low inflammatory foods with inflammatory conditions. And at its core, inflammation is part of endo. It's the core of it. So I don't need a study to prove that, but it helps me. So, <laughs> um, so I think low inflammatory whole foods have been huge for me, but I think that that is just part of the big equation of what I do. I mean, for me, it's movement, it's food, it's stress management. And I cover all of these tools in the book because it's all of them working together. If I didn't move my body, I have increased pain, but I can't get out of bed to move my body unless I'm really working on the low inflammation. So, yeah. And there's not one endo diet for everyone. And I think that's so crucial to understand that you see online the endo diet, the endo diet, but what works for you may not work for me. So in the book, I really dive deep into the idea of good foods. And those are foods that don't make you feel bad, which might be different for you than they are for me. Right. And that's definitely a recurring theme of personalization of diet and understanding what your particular issues are. You know, one thing that we're doing in practice that I would encourage anyone who's suspicious of endometriosis for themselves or someone they love, you know, we look at lab work and here's what lab work will do. It'll clue us into some of the key. And I don't know if this ever happened for you, but yeah. it'll clue us in, you know, to some of the patterns that may be suggestive of endometriosis, but you have to have that discerning eye. You have to have it on the brain to be thinking about it. Looking at inflammation markers, definitely that's a CRP and a homocysteine and a sed rate and all that other stuff. But we'll look at estrogen levels. Like we'll look at estrogen, we'll look at progesterone, we'll look at all the metabolites of all the hormones to understand what they're doing. And then I've also found it really helpful to look at ultrasounds, like looking at pelvic ultrasounds, because if that endometrial lining is thick, you know, if it's over eight millimeters or so, you know, then we know that married with the labs, married with the symptoms, we're probably on the right track. And then it may be worth, you know, that laparoscopic surgery or whatever else is next to, to figure out what's going on. So, you know, that's more of like just the functional medicine yeah. approach of uh, estrogen dominance is the most common hormonal pattern that we'll see with endometriosis. And there are foods that help that, right? Again, right. it's low inflammatory foods and getting in the fiber and the cruciferous vegetables and all these other things that are, are so important. Well, if there's not a cure, right, and there's not for endometriosis and food is a starting point, what else can people do to help them manage this uh, particular condition? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most eye-opening parts of the book for me researching was just the movement component, because I think the issue is, is that we see online that movement and exercise can help with your cramps. But when you can't get out of bed, it's like a big F you right. for me to think that you think I can go for a run. So I think it's about learning how to pace yourself and say, so I can't do this dance class today, or I can't do this run today, but could I get on the foam roller and kind of roll out my fascia? Can I kind of roll out my body? Because there is such a connection to our pelvic area and other parts of our body that the movement research of this book is probably my most favorite because I think it has such a huge impact. And I think when people have endo, we are scared to move our bodies too, because we are scared of pain that could happen. And so we pain catastrophize and then just don't even work out at all. So I think it's really continuing to move our bodies in whatever way is possible that day. And then I also think just stress management, and I'm not talking about meditating. I'm talking about whatever way works for you, because there's a huge connection. I'm sure you've talked about this between pain and stress. Mm -hmm. So anything we can do to sort of 
limit the inflammation through movement and food and stress management is just huge. I agree. I mean, I, those are all so wound up together. Did you ever try acupuncture or any of the Eastern? You know, I have done some acupuncture and I think there are people with endo that swear by Chinese medicine. For me, it wasn't the game changer for me, but I think that uh, movement and food is. Yeah, that's and that's a, a great point because I think when we talk about healing and wellness and moving the needle forward on different conditions, like that toolbox, you know, is personalized, right? It's different for different yeah. people. And I think it's really important to understand that. Hi there, for women. I just discovered a new brand that I can't wait to tell you about. This is Organifi, and they have a whole host of different superfood powders to help make our lives a little bit easier. How many times do you want to get some of these superfoods in? And you don't know how, you don't have time to cook. It's just a pain to do it. Well, this makes it easy, easy to go. Carry this with you. These are powders. This particular one is Organifi Gold. And again, it has some of my favorite ingredients in it. It has turmeric, which we know is an anti-inflammatory actually helps hormone balance as well. Ginger, which helps the digestive system, also acts as an anti-inflammatory. And then a whole host of different mushrooms, including turkey tail, which I've often used in practice to help with the immune system. So check it out, great and easy to carry. You can go to Organifi.com backslash Dr. Taz, and for a limited time, you get 15% off anything in their store. You know, where do you stand today? Where's your endometriosis today? feel like I'm managing it. I mean, I, I, you know, two years ago, I had a giant baby head size cyst on my ovary. And it was a moment where I really had to accept that I can't control my endo and my cyst from coming back. But what I can control is how I manage it. Yeah. And so that's been huge for me. I mean, I think a lot of endo is really defining what your best is and what you're capable of that day. And it's a lot of acceptance. And yeah. I think that working, if you can work with a therapist, I think the mental health component of endo is one that's not discussed enough. Well, let's and, talk about that for yeah. a second, because I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. And you know, one of the things I've seen in practice is someone's diagnosed with endometriosis, but then they also have three other autoimmune diseases. Yes. And then they also have anxiety and depression. So they're walking in to me, you know, where this journey may have started in their, you know, late teens or twenties and they're getting to me in their thirties or forties, right? Eight different medications, lots of mental health stuff, you know, paint that picture for us. What's going on with the mental health aspect? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you saw that BBC study, but they did a study where they interviewed over 13 and a half thousand women with endo and nearly half said that they had suicidal thoughts. Mm. And that is it's overwhelming to think about the fact that that many people, and you have to think, what are those thoughts about? Is it not being believed? Is it alone? Is it being in pain? Is it a combination of everything? So the mental health part of this is so huge. And, you know, it's definitely not a symptom of endo, but I definitely think it can be a huge byproduct because if you know that every single month you're going to be in pain, a lot of us, that's too overwhelming to think about. Yeah. So, um, it, it's just, it's truly something where I want more doctors to say, okay, so now you have endo, we understand how we can maybe treat the physical part, but how are we going to help you with the mental health component? Because also, as we already discussed stress, 
and depression can increase pain. So it's this cycle that we need to really enter into and help. In the interviews that you did and the people that you talked to, what did you find the most effective on the mental health front? I think community is huge. Mm -hmm. I think having someone that understands you. I mean, I interviewed one woman who whose boyfriend was so judgmental of even the clothes that she was wearing because she couldn't wear pants because her endo, Mm -hmm. her belly was so bloated. So he started criticizing her clothes and the way that she was trying to eat. And when she broke up with him, she said, I blamed so much of the relationship on endo. I didn't realize he was just a jerk. Yeah. And like her mental health changed because she felt free being able to take care of herself. So I think community is huge. I think being able to advocate for yourself and saying, no, I do not want to be on this drug. No, this is how I want to treat myself. Because I think a lot of that mental health too comes from the medical system of not being believed or being told. So many people with endo are told that they have to get pregnant as a treatment for endo. That's not true. And you're going to have a baby to treat a disease. (laughs) (laughs) So so I think... (laughs) Yeah. And I think movement, again, I keep on bringing up movement, but I heard from a lot of people that their Pilates practice or their yoga practice or their swimming with a community has just really helped boost their mental health a lot. Well, I think that's incredible. And, you know, one of the things I love to do is look at any condition from like about seven different perspectives, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of that whole idea of merging medicine and putting stuff together. And it's interesting. So when I think chemistry. I've already talked about estrogen dominance, that whole idea of methylation. I don't know if anyone got into that with you where, where that's, um, you know, their genetic tendencies to not make the right type of B vitamins and some Uh detoxers. So instead of breaking estrogen down, you store it, you hold on to it. And Mm -hmm. then however your genetics are playing out, that could be endometriosis. It could be PCOS. It could be fibroids, like all these different conditions. And for me, the chemistry of the mental health part mm-hmm. is the deficiency of those B vitamins, like the deficiency yeah. of the methylated B vitamins, magnesium, some of these things. So that's always one way to look at it. Another way to look at it, too, is the energetic piece, right? Yeah. So I don't know if in your interviews, I'm so curious, like we think of the pelvic area very much mm-hmm. as a root area, an area yeah. of feminine identity, right? And anything that's going on there from an energetic and emotional standpoint, was there any connection there that those women had experienced trauma, that they had experienced loss, that there was, there was something there that creates an underlying constant elevation of cortisol, even when you think you're past the incident, was there something there that, that yeah, I mean, I, I definitely interviewed Dr. Elizabeth Stanley, who does all of her research on stress and trauma. And, and we even just talked about I mean, this is a little bit connected to that stress and trauma of the pelvis, but, you know, she talks so much about how meditation is supposed to be this amazing thing for everyone. But if you've experienced a lot of trauma, especially sexual trauma or medical trauma, it can escalate your anxiety. So, so I think, you know, we, I did, and, you know, Heba Shahid, who I interviewed, who is a movement expert, she talks so much about that pelvic as being the central core of everything. And, even rolling your feet on little spike balls, those, the bottom of your foot is connected to the pelvis. So like any way that we can sort of release and make it not so tight and constrict, it can be really helpful. Mm. 
Powerful, powerful stuff. Well, if anyone wants to connect with you, learn more about endometriosis, and you have a book coming out soon, yeah. right? Yeah, April 27th. Yeah. Right around the corner. Tell us, <laughs> yeah. a little bit, tell us a little bit more about the book. So it comes out April 27th in the US and the UK, and then a little bit later in Australia. And it is just really, truly a love letter to everyone that's had has endo and I get emotional when I talk about that community because so many are just struggling. And so really the first half of it is breaking through the misinformation that's out there and really being able to arm yourself with the correct information to empower yourself, to be able to speak up for yourself. Yeah. And then the second half of it, every single week we learn a new tool. And so there's movement, stress management, food, and then there's worksheets to sort of help guide you too. Cause a lot of this is very emotional and I think it's important to record what we're feeling as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for story and putting so much effort into trying to heal the endometriosis community that's out there. Again, I maintain it's one of the most commonly gaslit conditions in women's health. We don't talk about it enough. We don't think about it enough as a medical community. But my suspicion is younger and younger girls are dealing with it and it's just not being addressed. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I wanted to make sure everybody out there listening today is thinking about this, has it on their radar and is sort of taking note of the folks around them to to protect them. So thank you again. If anyone wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Everything endometriosis related is at knowyourendo.com and I'm knowyourendo on Instagram too. And then also my podcast and personal information or personal website is jessicamernan.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And for everybody else watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness, remember you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you do post a review, send me a screenshot to hello at drtaz.com and we'll send you a bottle of boost. I'll see you guys next time. (laughs) Thank you. 